0: so uh Rob uh, welcome to the welcome to the journey and I know, uh, you know a few months ago you had been on um, on the journey and that was your first time here and so um, but you were Pretty busy guy right now, and involved with a lot of different things, and um, wanted to just kind of bring the listeners up to uh, where you're at on your own personal and professional, and some of the things that you're involved in in your own journey. So, uh, so Rob Young, uh, and uh, involved with Midwest Packaging, um, uh, owner and operator of that, and CEO of that, but a handful of other things here in the community. So uh, I know one of the things that um, that you're really involved with is the family peace center. And Mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about, um, about that and what's, uh, you know, what it, what it is essentially what it, what's gone on to get it into the making. And then what are you guys hoping to do?
1: Well, first off, thanks for having me on again. I oh. know that I don't know what the record is for appearances on the journey, but I, yeah. it'd be great to break that. Record. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: right now Dalton might be in the might be in the lead, but uh oh, okay, <laughs> this, well, so but but this will number two, and we'll have a couple more for you. So there you
1: go. Uh, so yeah, happy to be back on. Appreciate it. Okay. Um, so yeah, the Family Peace Center was kind of a collaborative community effort that okay. was led by the mayor's office. Okay. Uh, it was a. Something that as uh, this administration, Tom, uh, Mayor Tom McNamara, got involved and in started digging into uh, what the biggest impact could be on our violent crime statistics, for for instance. Uh, so one-third of all violent crimes, one-third of all police calls, 911 calls are domestic violence-related Um mm. uh, Uh, One-third of all violent crime in in our community is domestic violence related in one way or the other. And this isn't a west side or east side problem. This is something that affects every single precinct, every single ward, every single district throughout our city. Uh, So that was something that the mayor correctly identified as a way that um, we need to kind of get help to survivors and kind of get a centralized place where survivors can be heard and uh, something can be done for justice, of course.
0: I know... um and i think i mentioned this before but um i've been running for almost i think 11 years now the homicide support group for Mm -hmm. the state's attorney's office and a lot of the homicides in the rockford area that i'm familiar with are in the for ones that come to the group um have to do with some level of domestic violence or there were the victims were involved with some level of uh, they were not only a victim of homicide but they were a victim of domestic violence Maybe prior to um, that last act that took their life, and so it's definitely been um, a problem, and has a huge, huge impact and a ripple effect. I know on those those families.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I, I think nationally, the overwhelming uh, odds that a, a, if a homicide does occur, unfortunately, the victim will intimately know the the perpetrator, right? Um, and that's just that's just facts nationally, and then locally here, as you mentioned, there are cases where domestic violence is often the precursor to an eventual homicide. Right. And so if you're looking at preventable crime and, and the ability to actually save lives, um, having a, uh, a way to stop that and a, f- a first response of sorts uh, where a survivor can go and, and be able to get a restraining order, be able to get care or housing taken care of, uh, and if they, they choose, seek, uh, seek justice for it mm-hmm. as well. Um, all mm-hmm. those things can be housed centrally here. Where where currently the system is, they have to go, I think, 15 or 20 different places and retell their story over and over mm-hmm. and over again. I mean, the worst day of their life, hands down. Yeah, the, A completely traumatic event uh, that shouldn't happen to anyone, frankly, and they have to retell that story to complete strangers who may not even believe them. Right. They may have to may make a case for their own story while... Possibly hand dealing children while having possibly uh, life threatening injuries all during this process, it just as a community it's unacceptable. Yeah. And I got involved with the Family Peace Center uh, kind of in in an in infancy uh, because of a seminar that I went to as a young professional. Mm. And uh, the city put together a, a video with a lot of survivor uh, stories and and statistics, and it just the room went completely quiet. I mean, it was, it was deafening the silence about um, the gravity of the situation and the problem that we were facing as a community. Mm-hmm. And so when I was invited by the mayor to be on the, uh, to establish the 100 Men Who Give a Damn initiative, I was completely all in.
0: Sure, gotcha. I know um, just have, having been involved as, as a social worker and a counselor for as long as I have, and then um, through other initiatives, just the, 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 when, when you were talking about that particular person when they are finally able to um, make a stand and, and and attempt to start liberating themselves from the cycle it, it I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand it's been going on for a while this this was um, very seldom if ever is it an isolated incident and it's and it's this building process that comes in and it's such a psychological um uh, strain on 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 the victim and there's almost always more than one victim because mm-hmm. if there are children then there's more individuals that are being affected even if they're not physically touched themselves the emotional element of of their most of the time it's women um but it can be men can be victims too but most of the time it's women watching their their mom having um uh, been been victimized um, from physical abuse verbal abuse um, the emotional abuse and so and the violence is that 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 carries on to those children those children you know are somehow attempting to go to school the next day. yeah and then you know and so distracted because of um a variety of different things but what's going on at home and and all and, and everything go along that goes along with that um, but it's usually there and i th- and i don't people who have not had any experience with it and, and thank goodness they, that they haven't may not understand that this has been a long buildup to this process, that it wasn't just, Oh, oh you, you know, you hit me or grab me or choked me mm-hmm. then, and then they, you know, call the police. No, it's been, um, the, the term, I'm going to use the term grooming. It's not necessarily the right term to use, but there is an element of, um, uh, of, of building that up so
1: yeah you're absolutely right it's a cycle of violence is what it is mm-hmm. and uh, we've found in our statistics and our longitudinal studies that uh, if a child is sub- subjected to domestic violence in their home at an early age there's an overwhelming likelihood that they're going to be uh, a perpetrator or victim later on in their lives mm-hmm. Um, actually, half of all violent crime committed in our community is done by someone who is exposed to domestic violence in in their childhood. Yeah.
0: So, they, even though what you're saying, the statistics are saying, even even if they themselves don't become a a perpetrator in domestic violence, they may be involved with some level of violent crime. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah because that is just well, it's obviously a terrible environment for a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, psychologically, it's devastating to be able to see that level of violence. Uh, intimately that mm-hmm. close is it when you're in your most uh, innocent years uh, and then also they, they could go on to be victims as well because that has become normalized in right. a way they're seeking out unhealthy relationships and uh, obviously in and out of uh, jail or halfway houses or whatever the case may be and and we really need to be able to to end the cycle of violence and the mm-hmm. way you do that is you get um, you're able to get peace and you're able to get some form of uh Care given to these these survivors. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to point out is that it's the most famous case recently was the uh, the Heritage Credit Union yeah. standoff. That was mm-hmm. a huge made national news. Uh, he had a history of, of violence, history yeah. of domestic violence, and again, that was not taking the proper channels were not taken to make sure that he couldn't harm others. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, for every victim there likely was a string of victims before and there'll be a string of victims after Mm -hmm. and then every story that comes forward unfortunately we know there are many who never come forward correct yeah Um, and we don't uh, you can't you don't know exactly what those statistics are but uh, it's been proven that communities that have family peace centers um, oftentimes see a lot more cases that are resolved and a lot more uh, women and people that are survivors are willing to tell their story. Okay.
0: So, so what is? And, and I know it's going to be able to do a lot of things. So it's going to be hard to kind of capture that in you know a paragraph or yeah. whatever. But <laughs> what what is the what's the intent of what the Family Peace Center is going to do for um, for the community? But but more even more specifically for individuals who've been um, victimized through domestic violence. What, what what's the Family Peace Center intending to do?
1: So the Family Peace Center ultimately will be a a physical place that survivors can go that have all the resources they need to be able to handle what they're going through at that time. There'll be uh, a psychological aspect. There'll be, obviously, medical care. There'll be uh, a form of the state's attorney will have uh, justices there. They'll have attorneys. Uh, Judges will be there to be able to grant uh, restraining orders if need be, There'll be housing and there'll be child care services there. I think there'll be like 30 or 40 different partners that are housed under one roof. Okay. And so all of that process, all of that uh, difficult um, logistical nightmare, mm-hmm. psychological uh, mountain that these survivors have to climb, uh, again, on the worst day of their of their life, uh, will all be done under, under one roof where they can go and— Hopefully, be able to find some sort of peace and be able to rebuild a lot of what they what they lost.
0: So, so, and again, I know that men can be victims as well, but but majority are are women, and so a woman could go there. Her and her children could both go there, mm-hmm. and then they could stay there. Stay. How? What's the parameters of time? Um,
1: so it's going to depend on. So the, the latest update on the actual physical location is that. Uh, The Family Peace Center Phase 1 is breaking into a Phase 1 and a Phase 2. So Phase 1 will be at the current uh, Regional 1 Planning Center. Uh, We're going to be in there by July 1st at the very latest. That's right across the street from the Coronado there on Main Street. Uh, So the R1 Planning Center, they're currently looking at obviously relocating, and then at that time we'll be able to move in. So that will be a temporary location. And then Phase 2 will actually be a – a larger building that will be the permanent home of the Family Peace Center. I see. Okay. Yeah, and details are still still being worked out there, but we're making a lot of progress on phase two.
0: Okay. So it, it, I know a friend of mine, um, uh, Gary Halbeck, runs Remedies, mm-hmm. and uh, that um, used to be Wave and Face, and now they're all under one name of Remedies, and they have a beautiful building off of uh, State Street. Now, it sounds like the Family Peace Center is similar to, similar to Remedies, but, but, there's some things that are different because there's going to be some of the things that the Family Peace center is offering. because um, I know that at at remedies, from what I understand of it, they you know, they offer the shelter. Um, they offer the moms and the families can be there. It's only for women and and their children they can be there. Um obviously, they're able to get therapy and and get treatment for for their healing and recovery from the psychological and the emotional piece. Um, but that's where, Family Peace Centers coming in and doing similar to that, but then also different because of helping out from a legal standpoint as well?
1: Yeah, Remedies is a partner in the Family Peace Center. I want to I want obviously make sure that that's, that's known. Uh, but yeah, what will kind of be more encompassing than what Remedies is currently offering is that there's going to be that legal side of things. There's going to be that justice side of things. that's going to be housed there. Uh, so um, instead of, Remedies would be one stop of many. You know, if you want a, a restraining order, you want... Um, any kind of uh, testifying has to be done. Uh, all those things can be done in one location instead of, you know, having a stop to make sure that, yeah, child care is taken care of. It's a major problem mm-hmm. Uh child care. And obviously any kind of uh, medical needs that you might need uh, mm-hmm. right after an event like that might happen. Uh, but there are, there are many steps that need to happen along the process and unfortunately take a, um, quite a bit of time mm-hmm. uh, during the justice process that can be expedited through a family peace center
0: so I know and with some of the victims that I've worked with um, through through different time periods of of counseling and different in different sites of counseling um, when a person Uh, had hit some level of a bottom and and it very it may very well have have the last incident may have to do with um, some type of um, violence that may have happened and that was is the precursor and the catalyst for them um, to leave other times it may be that there was some opportunity to leave that the 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 violence had had been ongoing and and then the opportunity comes where they can leave or they've they themselves believe that they have a resource they can go to and feel like they can be strong enough to to step into this unknown and Mm -hmm. and i know with a lot of the victims that i work is that it's that fear and the shame that that comes with it because as i've mentioned before it's usually not um an isolated incident. And, and, and if it is, we haven't probably heard about it yet because at that point they're keeping it under wraps. And, and so this idea that they get caught up in the, in the cycle or the domestic violence cycle, um, and in and, and at least the terminology that I was taught with was the ba- battered wife, even if they're not married, Um, syndrome Mm -hmm. and there there's a psychological piece because um i know uh, many times when people will um when will leave and then because of the shame and then later they have guilt for the perpetrator you know that they left them
1: stockholm syndrome essentially yeah (laughs) exactly yeah yeah there's it's psychological manipulation it's psychological domination yeah and and part of that is that no one will believe you Mm -hmm. you know You know i'm your i'm your best hope i'm your you know i'm gonna take care of you after this you know these elements can be broken down with a with a sense of trust and a sense of um peace that if if i go someplace i know that i'll be safe you Mm -hmm. know and i'll be safe and uh, unless you have a a firm sense of like i'm i'm willing to take that leap because i know that i have partners that are going to help me it's extremely difficult Mm -hmm. it's extremely difficult and I think that unless you have that that place that uh, and, and by the way, when this was announced, uh, survivors actually started coming into the mayor's office just because they've heard about it on the news. They've heard that this initiative was starting. and And by no means is the mayor's office equipped to to handle um, and obviously in the mayor's office' present state is not not equipped to handle these survivors, uh, but that just goes to show you that, Uh, survivors are are hearing about it, you know, Mm -hmm. they're taking notice, and and there's a definite need in the community for some place to go.
0: Right, right. So phase one um, for the Family Peace Center is July. That's the projected date is July and um and then obviously there'll be more to come mm-hmm. um so so that's one of the many projects that you're involved with <laughs> and so i know you just recently in the fall came on as a board member for shed our silence and, mm-hmm. and the suicide prevention program uh that we've been doing for four years now um what what other things are you involved with besides those two organizations
1: so i just joined the rockford chamber of commerce for the okay. board of directors there um I'm obviously a business leader in the community, owning a, owning a small business here, and, and I think that economic development is a, a crucial part of what, where we need to go in terms of how we can bring money and, and prosperity into our community. I'm also on the strategy team for Next Rockford, uh, which is a group of young professionals that advocate for change, positive change in our community, uh, because it is, you know, it is kind of unusual for, as we look around at different boards and things like that, for someone my age, I'm 32 years old, uh, to be involved in. And that shouldn't, shouldn't be the case. You know, mm-hmm. young people should know that they have pathways to do things here in our community, that it's not just to graduate from high school and then get out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, right. uh, Il- Rockford and Illinois just generally has a, has a problem retaining a young talent, mm-hmm. young talent. And, uh, there's creating pathways and and kind of, uh, serving as a model for, for younger people in my community, in our community, I think is a really important thing. Um, I'm also uh, on the board for Rockford Promise, which is a model that I'm really passionate about and doing a lot of work with recently. That's been sending uh, underprivileged kids, underserved kids, to uh, to university, either Rock Valley or Rockford University, here okay. in our community, through the RPS205 program.
0: Okay. Okay. So. Um... <laughs> So going back, oh, have a couple of questions about Next Rockford. So Next Rockford is really focusing on, um, I guess it wouldn't just be business leaders, right? It would be young leaders. Um, uh-huh. And and what 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 is the what's the demographic of young leader? What's is the, is that based upon age? Is that based upon what what is that based on?
1: So we do have a have a cutoff age of uh, being born after 1965 even though we okay. do fudge on that every once in a while <laughs> okay okay so we don't just totally discriminate against sure. the older older generation okay. but it is uh, kind of uh, the whole premise is around younger people like obviously uh, working professionals in our community age you know 21 to 50 or whatever it is sure um, so we have a younger board uh, you know a lot of people that kind of uh, look and think like me and you know there is a generational gap in terms of how uh, the different generations approach problems and communicate and, mm-hmm. and how that uh, kind of changes when you're dealing with the baby boomers, Gen X, the millennials. I mean, it's, sure. it's all something that is very relevant to our workplace and our community and how, how business is done. Uh, but what, what Next Rockford does is we have monthly meetings uh, where we have speakers come in and give us updates on the community. We don't plan out our whole year. You know, it's not like we have 12 speakers lined up, you know, in January. We do that on purpose because we like to, as something's coming up in the community, we like to be flexible and and responsive to what's going on. Uh, But we always have a, we always meet with the mayor, we always meet with the county board chairman. uh, We have an update from them. Uh, Usually the chamber, Rockford Chamber of Commerce, comes and gives an update, and the REDC, and then the rest of the meetings are kind of as as uh, things happen.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, I and I probably need I know we talked about this the last time you're on the show but it was to remind some of our listeners and then for new listeners that are coming on you um, you were in your late 20s right when you made the decision mid to late 20s when you made the decision that you were going to stay in Rockford mm-hmm. or come back to Rockford and, and then stay and, 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 and create some roots in Rockford but you could have gone, probably anywhere, right? There's a lot of opportunities for you to go. Um, why did you decide? What was your personal reasons for deciding to stay in Rockford and Winnebago County?
1: Well, I think the, the biggest thing is that uh, you can, you know, like as you said, I mean, I could have gone to Chicago. It seems like uh, people, young people my age love leaving, going to a bigger city for the lifestyle or whatever. But, uh, you know, the opportunities here are unique. And the challenges that Rockford faces, um, uh, it's exciting in the fact that, uh, you can make a difference here or maybe you couldn't elsewhere, mm-hmm. you know, in Chicago, you know, you're one of millions. You're just, a, you know, a, another fish in the sea, so to speak, mm-hmm. where Rockford, you can really dig in and be able to see your impact go a lot further. And honestly, the momentum and, and all the positive things that are going on here are really exciting to be a part of, um. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, again, you can see your work go further. You can kind of see the change not happen over decades, but happen, you know, quickly in some cases over months or over years. You can kind of make a bigger impact here. And frankly, I mean, this is a, you know, great town to raise a family, great, great town to buy a house in. Um, I, I don't, I'm not a big, big city guy, you mm-hmm. know, and, and while I grew up on a farm, uh, while that might be appealing, obviously the services of living in a city and being a part of a community are really great.
0: Sure. Okay. And so, um, that, that element, and I know, um, you know, some of the things that you just mentioned, um, were some of the reasons why, um, I I mean, my first and foremost reason why I stayed was family. Mm -hmm. Um, we, my wife and I, we decided to, this is where she wanted to be. This is where we had family ties and this is where we were going to start creating some roots and then career then followed then that decision.
1: And how long have you been in Rockford?
0: I've been here my entire life. I was born here, and uh, and so um, I was born at Swedish American Hospital. So I was born here. We lived, grew up in McChesney Park. Uh, so I went to Harlem, but um, but we moved back into Rockford um, since since Diane and I have been together since '92, and so I've been living in the city of Rockford since since that time period, and, uh, and intentionally um, because of our positive experience with our kids at the Rockford Public School, uh, when they were in grade school, we chose to buy our third home in Rockford and and not uh, not go to the outlying area. Though I did think at one time, or at least Diane thought, that I'd be bleeding black and orange because of my <laughs> ties to Harlem. Um, it, but because of our experience um, at, at um, Carlson Grade School with our kids, we made the choice to invest in in, in the Rockford area. And so that's where, um, we, you know, invested not only with our own personal life and home and and that aspect of, it, but then that's where we, um, with, with KP and investing there as far as um, properties that we've bought here regarding KP. So
1: I'm glad you said the word investing because, uh, you can invest in a lot of different ways. You know, obviously when you say the word invest, you, you, you automatically assume, Financially, but it's not the case. I mean people invest emotionally people invest with their time people invest um, Most yeah, most importantly with their time and engagement mm-hmm. and I think that we have a We have a problem in Rockford a leadership problem in Rockford in terms of actual Engagement and investment by our residents and people that people that move here They seem to come here, you know as a stop for their career or maybe again, you know They graduate high school and then they want to get out and um, but for a thriving community to really be, to get to where we want to go, where our potential could lead us, we need more people to say, hey, I'm here, I'm proud, and I'm invested. I'm invested. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you know, you're signing your life away, I'm gonna live here for the rest of my life or anything like that, but we have real problems that we have to dig into, and that requires people's, people's attention, people to people to gather around the table and, and talk in earnest about what we, what we can do.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that was an, another element that when I think back on it, you know, um, it wanted to make a difference, right? And wanted, and my my thing was uh, mental health counseling, um, uh, mental illness, and that, and that element of it, but it was wanting to make a difference. And and hearing stories about how other communities turned around, I remember very clearly in in the mid-2000s going, oh, I guess we don't have to go anywhere but right here to... Um, there's enough, enough of, um, enough opportunity here for a resurrection story here. I don't have to go and transplant myself to another community to be a part of a solution there. Um, what can we do to be a solution here? So I know that was a conscious part of our, of, of choice that Diane and I were making at that time, and, and the direction that we were going to go with, um, specifically with KP, let alone the the other you know the other companies. So
1: yeah, and I'll, I'll plug you because I know you won't. But KP has been a, a foundational uh, partner for mental health over the. I know you've been doing it for decades, mm-hmm. and and your work in the community has been been fantastic. So I want to thank you for well, that, just well, being a leader in that yeah.
0: way. Well, thank you. You, you mentioned a leader. So let's, let's kind of jump into this. So this, w- w- this will be one of those things where it may get uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, uh, bring it so, on. So, we'll, so we'll see. <laughs> um, so um, uh, and, and over the, over the time, and I know you've been following the, the podcast, you've heard me talk about this ideal, that idea of dualistic thinking, this um, us versus them and I think a few months ago I was you know utilized the idea because it was football season are you a bears fan or are you a Packers fan and and the essence was are you are you a specific team fan meaning you want your team to win at all costs um, which means that your team has the other person's team has to lose or are you a football fan and the idea of dualistic thinking is us versus them non-dualistic thinking is the um, the the idea of being a football fan and in mm-hmm. in watching and appreciating um, a good game versus who who's the outcome with and and as we've talked um, numerous times that isn't to take away that you're not going to do everything in your ability to when we're talking about a game you know a, um, a finite game like a football that we're going to do everything we possibly can to win because there's something about um, that as well to being able to give a hundred percent in just the journey of giving a hundred percent and putting forth that effort um, is maybe more so than the outcome. But it seems right now um, at, at the, at the national level for sure um, the state level uh, as well, and, and probably here at the local level, this dualistic us versus them. And and what I've been, Um, I haven't felt at, 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 at a national level anyone having the courage to step up and lead, meaning lead from a standpoint of what's better for the overall good versus what's better for my particular party or agenda. Mm-hmm. or whatever and it seems and of course we're going into the election year um presidential election year let alone the you know other senate congress now at the county level as well this idea that um a strategy to try to win is try to make the other person look like a loser so mm-hmm. so, uh, so 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 t- tell us a little bit about how you you have talked about what you've done as a leader with Midwest uh, Packaging, and what you just got done talking about as a leader getting involved with everything from the chamber to um, Next Rockford to Family Peace Center um, to Rockford Promise. How how do you want to try to lead, not just win, but lead at the county level?
1: Well, I want to start this out by. I'm going to throw something at you real quick. Yeah. So, when I say, we'll just do a little thought experiment. So, when I say the word Winnebago or the phrase Winnebago County Board, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
0: Mm. Um I know for me, the that had that for me was when I went through the process of getting KP rezoned mm-hmm. um to go from uh a residential the building was a residential building and I was asking the County Board to um, uh, turn that into rezone it to commercial office building so that we could then grow um, from that end of it that that's my direct when I think of the County Board is at that point there was there were that the board was forward thinking about what they wanted to do with that area of the county and because um, it was all essentially residential in that area mm-hmm. And they saw what they wanted, where they wanted to grow, and and from that element. So, so for me, that's what I, my personal experience. That's what I think of.
1: So, but I mean, in the in the news right now, or or what the oh. current state of the county board is. One word you think would, would kind of capture your feelings oh. on that? I, <laughs>
0: I, I, would say probably, um, uh, impotent. Um, yeah, that's
1: a good one. I mean, yeah. dysfunctional. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a. And that is not not unusual from in my campaign, uh, and I'm, I'm a candidate for Winnebago County Board. Yep. First and foremost, I should I should clear that up, clear that up because yep. uh, I believe in, in ser, servant leadership, and I believe strongly that business leaders have a responsibility to not only be business leaders but to be community leaders. And so, part of that process when I'm talking about engaging and invest, investing in this community is frankly we need more people. Uh, with business sense and more people who uh, share a holistic view of our community to be public servants. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't make that choice lightly. It's an extremely time-consuming and uh, difficult process to get elected and then obviously serve on a board that is facing kind of the problems that it is. But I I ask you that because uh, there has to be a mutual trust between the board and and its constituents Mm -hmm. and the community at large. Because the problems that we're facing are not small. The problems we're facing are real. Mm-hmm. Um, we have $325 million in infrastructure uh, deferments that are going on that continue to pile up, $10 million per annual a year. Uh, we have no mental health uh, services, and it has it has on it is getting on the referendum. There's sales genuine uh, generating ways of doing that, but the amount of uh, Decisions that are being made at the board level the uh, Fiscal and also collaborative kind of nature of leadership. I think is not uh, Not evident at this time mm-hmm. and for us to be able to tackle these problems I felt that my skill set was unique to be able mm-hmm. to do some of these things to dig in and really kind of be able to make an impact that's not happening right now uh, the current county board is, is aware of these problems uh, they, I'm, I'm not saying that they don't understand them, but they're they're failing to act mm-hmm. on what's happening. They're failing to make a real difference and they're choosing to resort to uh, these petty politics, these name callings, these mm-hmm. uh, defining the power of the chairman, and, and these kind of things are are very uh, are very juvenile in, in our, as, as it relates to what our overall mission of good governance is. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely, I think that there we have issues that, uh, are systematic and institutionalized that need to be resolved uh, for us to move forward as a community mm-hmm.
0: so how obviously y- y part of leadership is um, casting a vision um, inviting people into not only casting that vision setting it say saying it and setting it in a way that people can, become part of that story and, and as they're invited to participate in what whatever way that is um, what what's your how do you envision that happening especially in in a in a situation that the general uh, the general public may not even fully grasp what does the what is the the county board what is it responsible for doing what does it have the ability to do um, so there's that and maybe even some individuals that are on the board may themselves, Uh, how to work together how to be leaders working together Uh, so what are some of your thoughts from from that element to if if you get elected right Mm -hmm. what in what ways based upon some of the things that you've been involved with before what are some things that you would um, do to lead from that element um, of not only casting a vision obviously your your role would you'd be one of many uh, on that board but what is your thoughts on that
1: well, you're right. It's it's a 20 person board, and so uh, I'm not running to run the county or anything like that, and have no no illusions of doing so. But uh, as as you mentioned, it's a it's a collaborative effort. It's teamwork. And currently, the county board is not working. It's extremely siloed, mm-hmm. uh, and there's there's tribes that pop up, little coalitions that have four or five members that start going in one direction and another. Uh, silo goes in another direction, and oftentimes they bump into each other, and that's where you see the conflicts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first thing that I would do uh, if elected is is establish some kind of shared vision and values. Mm-hmm. I think that the discourse that's been going around the county board for, for years has been uncivil and dysfunctional, mm-hmm. and that's a, a product of a lack of trust and respect among its members, frankly. Mm-hmm. Among all parties involved, not and not just the county board. Obviously, the chairman, the the staff that works there, the administrator, uh, all the different committees, and uh, not many people know this, but the county employs thousands of workers uh, that are impacted by these squabblings at the, mm-hmm. at the highest level. Um, they're working overtime all the time. They're short-staffed in a lot of cases. There's some extremely disturbing findings coming out of the, our our county jail. Yeah. Uh, or actually, it's gotten so bad that the U.S. Marshals are threatening to pull the prisoners that they have housed there. And that, that would be a loss of about $1.8 million in revenue annually. And it's just losses that we can't afford. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't afford to to stand by and let these kind of things happen. And it's ultimately driven by leadership, as you mentioned. And so uh, kind of coming together and having a shared value and then having a plan for how we're going to do this and making the hard decisions and it's not going to be all sunshines and roses. I'm not going to disillusion myself or anyone else that this is going to be easy work. Mm-hmm. It's going to be difficult work. right? Um, and that's unfortunately the situation we're in. But just having the ability to, to have a collaborative approach on this and also leverage our partnerships uh, with our municipalities and not only our municipalities but with our state and federal governments uh, to be able to go to the table and say, hey, we have a capital plan now. What can you commit to this? Well, okay, this falls under our... Our umbrella of capital improvement you know we right. can partner with you no one's doing that now yeah that's the reality yeah. you know no one's coming to the, to the state with a unified plan and a unified um, budget that we're able to
0: execute some of these things that we need to do gotcha well I definitely think one of the one of the um, advantages if, if all if if all works out right and and the election goes in a positive direction and you're elected to the county board I think one of the benefits. Of being a new person um, on the board is then you can ask those questions that maybe if people have been on there for a while don't ask Mm -hmm. because they kind of they supposedly know right or or this is how it's always been. Um, I think recently I was on our I was in um, this this particular organization the church I was attending um, had a leadership board and, and be similar elders with different names but essentially the same thing. Well, the first year that I was on there. I had a ton of questions. They were legitimate questions. It wasn't manipulation. I just yeah. <laughs> didn't have the answer. And so I had questions. And so they there was a handful of us that were new to the board. We had attended the church for the last twenty plus years, but these were things that we just didn't know. We had questions, but no answers. And that led then to some of the things that you were you were talking about about the, the, a shared, creating a shared vision, creating, um, that shared vision vision out of some shared values and that we could then present and invite other individuals from the congregation to be, to be part of. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was, um, yeah, it was not an easy um, exercise to do. And, and sometimes with those, um, obvious questions or, or tough questions, um, You know, came a lot of work to to search what does this really mean and and long, long dialogues uh, um, and going back and forth about discussions and in really trying to step into that space of being aware of the whole picture and not just about not pleasing people um, or in this particular case concerned about displeasing certain individuals and um, and that. That, um, I know that that was not always easy to do, um, but inviting for ourselves recognizing that we were serving something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. and um, And that's where some of those questions were coming from. And so, yeah, it was a it was an interesting um, uh, time period uh, to to be involved with that element, which has been different, which was different than other things that I've been involved with um, throughout my career. Did
1: you get some of the results that you were you were hoping to get?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. it's um, the 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 overall the the direction that it's moving in now is is, um, even though I'm not on the board currently um, is is moving much more in a in a in a hopeful, um, beneficial, uh, time period for the community as well as the existing community around the church, but, but also the community within it. And, and it's a difficult time right now because there's so many other, um, options, um, regarding worship and, and church. You don't have to attend a physical building. Mm-hmm. And I think I was just listening to someone the other day, the average person who identifies as being a Christian, um, in, in a, and attending a church attends one out of 4 or one out, one out of 4 to one out of 6 Sundays physically attends the building um, one out of 4 to one out of 6 Sundays a month that's not very often right <laughs> compared to at least what I grew up with
1: mm-hmm. so well and, and again you know to take this back to the county county government our county government is different <clears throat> than it was 10 years ago than it was 4 years ago than it definitely was 20 years ago mm-hmm. And so as our as our community needs shift and they change, uh, you're absolutely right. I think a fresh perspective is needed. You know, turnover is needed. Because you, with you, with a fresh perspective and a fresh vision, you bring in the questions of the community, the concerns of the community, because you are the community, yeah. you know, to a certain aspect. And that's democracy, and that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think the more turnover – you can get positive turnover, you know, where there's not um, – I'm not saying, you know, out with everyone. <laughs> sure, <laughs> Don't get me wrong here. Sure, not yeah. not, uh, not advocating that. But the point is that uh, to get some fresh vision and get some fresh uh, fresh voice um, and some outside perspective. Yeah. Because there are insulative kind of thinking uh, that in a group think kind of thing, Well, yeah, we know it all and we have this ego about it and, and we no longer uh, need to explore this option or do this option because this is what we're used to and this is what works. Again, right. the – um, this is the way we've always, always done it. Yeah. That kind of thinking can be extremely destructive when you're talking about uh, government because there always needs to be collaboration. There always needs to be continued partnerships, and these things are always changing. Mm-hmm. There's a ever-shifting dynamic to uh, our community's needs and the available opportunities for solutions.
0: Well, and I think that... You know, a change, and when the change, you know, comes with the right individuals who are instituting that change, um, it doesn't have to always come from a, a doom and gloom and, and uh, a, a, this fear and catastrophe perspective. You know, the, yeah, does there need to be a, a sense of urgency that if we don't do something, then we're going to continue getting what we've always been getting? That, okay, that's true. Um, could it get worse? Possibly. That's that's true, too. But it, it needs to be kind of like what we talked earlier about with the Family Peace Center. Clearly looking at where the problem is and how much violence comes from, violence and crime comes out of the space of domestic violence and the ripple effect of domestic, domestic violence, then you start building a strategy on how to impact that, not just in one area, but... Along the continuum of services, it it has to be more. If we're talking about domestic violence, it has to be more than just arresting the perpetrator and and containing the perpetrator, because what that just means bigger jails and more jails, but that isn't going to necessarily help the children mm-hmm. or or help um, the the wife or girlfriend or mom from going back to the familiar. Um, or the shame that she can't necessarily have a better life. And so I think, um, being able to make, um, step in and and ask those questions and, and, and look at strategic ways of how can we make an impact? How can we do some things different? And then how do we do it with inviting more, more people to help out?
1: Yeah. And I, I think if we take a step back and we look at our community from a bird's eye view, um, you know, what are some of the biggest issues that we're facing as a community and how we're addressing them? Um, you know, public safety obviously is at the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, and oftentimes, uh, the justice system, you know, and how it flows, uh, with, with, uh, justice or with public safety or with the crime deterrence or stopping crime or preventing crime. Uh, these things all have a part to play in our, in our ethos of our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think education has a lot to do with that, education is a huge variable to crime. I mean, you look at these statistics, and there's a strong correlation between an un- uneducated, largely uneducated population, and its violent crime rate, as in the other way too. Um, so that's why I believe so strongly in Rockford Promise and sending uh, more and more of our RPS 205 uh, seniors onto higher education mm-hmm. for, for to develop these pathways, to develop into this career, to feed into our economic. Um, opportunities here in our community and keep our keep our, our businesses vibrant, keep our prosperity keeping forward. And that ties into the work with the chamber, that ties into work with my own business, you know, uh, providing opportunities for economic development here and redevelopment and the infrastructure that goes along with it. And and the county is, is a crucial partner in all those things, probably the overarching partner when you're talking about partnerships with the city of Rockford and other municipalities here. So, there's a roadmap that can be laid out here mm-hmm. <clears throat> to take us from, and I think it's Transform Rockford, the, the one that's been touting that top 25 community by 2025. Well, 2025 is five years away. It's not very long. <laughs> it's not very long. They, yeah. I think, they unveiled it a few years ago, and uh, time's ticking. Mm-hmm. And what we need is we need a roadmap and a, and a plan on what we're going to do to check some of these boxes. In full transparency, you know where we struggle and where mm-hmm. we're we're not doing well. And then, how can we uh, address these problems in a, in a real way to mm-hmm. be able to improve them and see real change, real change? Yeah. And you, and you had mentioned when you were when you were talking earlier about the resistance to change. And I, I like to approach it like, what are we afraid of? Like, mm-hmm. What do we think can go wrong? You know, really deconstruct the impetus behind the. The, being an obstacle to change Sure. you know what are your core motivations behind is it fear based is it anxiety based is it is it fear of the unknown mm-hmm. uh, because if you can really uh, deconstruct that and kind of give a better idea about where we're going people feel better about it right. people feel like they're part of the process they're engaged and when we start to see the accomplishments and we are I mm-hmm. mean Rockford and, and the county are seeing some some positive growth there's great momentum here Um, We can celebrate that as a community and we Mm -hmm. can say, yes, we did that. And now we're going to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that's how all of a sudden we sit here in 2025 and we're like, wow, look at all we've done.
0: Right. Well, you know, I think I I think you're it's it's multi-dimensional, Right. So it's more than one thing at at a time. And um, yes, it's there has to be some critical things put in place. In, in, a, in a certain level of priority in a certain order. But, but because it's a, it's a slow rollout, um, it's one, you know, safety, right? You have to feel safe. And all the things that go in to having a nonviolent community and a safe community, then also deter individuals from coming in and making it the opposite of that right Mm -hmm. and so and and at the same time while that's going on you know there has to be other things that are causing people to be attracted you know what are those things is it is it the arts is it sports is it you know because we can have economic you know um, opportunities and, and we build on safety and economics, but then what are the reasons why people would want to spend the money that they make here right. and it's safe? <laughs> it, 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 so there's multiple components. I mean, right now, I, I don't recall, as I've been cognizant of it, I don't recall that the first, you know, we're now first three months of the year without a homicide for, you know, being touted as the one of the most violent cities um, in in the United States. That is huge benchmark to get through the first quarter of 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 2020 without a homicide based upon compared years in the past that's a big deal and there's a lot of things that are going in and getting put in place um that have been rolling out for an extended period of time specifically um with with the new police chief and the new and the mayor who's not new anymore Mm -hmm. but um that they've been doing and in a handful of different projects that they've been doing as well at um at the county level also then being attracted um, to, you know, to different uh, entertainment aspects of um, how are we going to um, choose to invest our money um, from, from leisure back into the community. And so, uh, so I think there's a handful of things going on right now, and, um, and I'm excited about the possibilities. I'm excited about some young leaders that are involved. Um, I like the idea that when you said that um, I could still be on the next Rockford because I, <laughs> I still meet the criteria for that. So I was like, oh, I guess I could. Yeah. <laughs> so that was interesting, um, having been born after 65. Yeah. So that was there good. You go. um, barely, but I'm there. <laughs> but, um, but I do think there is a lot of, of collaboration that's happening, actually happening now that um, maybe a few decades ago was talked about but not actually happened.
1: Well, I think when you, when you look at where we've been and where we're going, because it is as important it is to have a focus on the future. It also is important to look back at our past and understand where we came from and why some of our problems have been, have been around. But, uh, and you look back at our airport, I mean, it's absolutely booming. We're one of the fastest growing airports in the, in the world. A recent study Uh, in terms of cargo coming through Rockford. I mean, millions and hundreds of millions of dollars of cargo coming through Rockford with partnerships with Amazon and things like that. We're a a hub for the aerospace industry with many, many facilities employing hundreds, if not thousands of people in the aerospace industry. And then uh, you mentioned the entertainment value. I mean, we have this beautiful historic uh, Coronado Theater Mm. downtown, the downtown revitalization going on. Uh, Ander- Japanese Anderson gardens is just a, a treasure mm-hmm. I mean there are a lot of really amazing gems here in our, mm-hmm. our community here in Winnebago county that um, there are a lot of things to be proud of mm-hmm. you know there are a lot of things and you mentioned the uh, crime statistics their crime has been going down in rockford the past couple of years at a pretty substantial rate and so that kind of gives you some credence to the fact that we're what we're doing we're on the right track you right. know the community policing the uh, task force has been set up the uh, different initiatives that have been happening have been successful mm-hmm. and our overall positive momentum and when I you know when I mention overall momentum of the community I'm glad that we're getting into specifics now on the on the the achievements that we're seeing and that it is possible to to hope again it is mm-hmm. possible to see a brighter future here in Rockford and uh, to be a part of that is humbling yeah. it really is
0: well, Rob, um, I know you have a busy next, next few weeks are really busy for you. Um, not just with life, um, the, the, you're engaged to be married in May. Um, you, uh, you have, have a new puppy, uh, who looks like he's getting bigger and bigger every time I turn around and see a picture. Um, but then from a political standpoint, as well as all the different things that you're involved with. So I appreciate you taking out some time and and being with us today and, and for our listeners to be able to maybe, uh, hear as you maybe broke down a little bit more about what things that you would like to do for, um, for the Winnebago County and the Rockford area. And um, if there's anything that um, you wanted to leave for the listeners, what would you want to leave the listeners with?
1: Well, I mean, just a completely self-interest plug. The mm-hmm. elections on March 17th, I have a primary. And then, of course, the general elections in November. Okay. Uh, so I'll be campaigning for the next six months or so. We've already uh, knocked on over 1,000 doors. We've connect- connected with every voter in the district either by mail, text, or, uh, or just – going door to door and calling them Uh, and so i'll continue to do that so any interest in my campaign at our website is voteyoung17.com okay also if anyone was interested in the family peace center what we talked about today there are a couple ways you can give back without being a you know a huge sponsor or anything like that is uh i'd mentioned that i'm a founding member of 100 men who give a damn and our next event is on april 6th at alley sports bar downtown okay We're going to be watching the national championship game. Oh, Having a good time for a great cause. And so I'd encourage people to Google 100 men who give a damn and register for that event. And that's that's for men. And then there's also an 815 uh, women with a mission. And so, if you're a, if you're a woman and you want to get involved in that way, please join that group. We have events all through the year. So nice.
0: Yeah. Well, Rob, thank you very much for being with us, and uh, uh, good luck in the next couple of weeks and in everything that you're involved with. But um, I know that for you, um, regardless of, of how things roll out with the election, um, you're invested in in the in the county, invested in the city of Rockford, and you'll continue doing good things. So I appreciate you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: All yeah. right. Well, thank you for being with us today as, as we've talked about, obviously a serious topic of domestic violence, but not only about the impact of domestic violence, but of how do we uh, make change in the community? How do we become part of a solution? And as Rob mentioned, um, there's a handful of different ways. And in Rob's case, he um, took some of his gifts and talents and experiences and got involved the way that he can by, by being a leader um, within the community. Um, look forward to being with you again next week. Um, we'll see you then.